welcome to Two Sober Chicks, a podcast speaker series, where we record our speakers from the online meeting, AA Solution Seekers Beginners Meeting. Today, we'd like to welcome Liz. Okay, good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Liz, and I am an alcoholic. Can you hear me okay? Yep. All right. Um, I have to say what a what a delight this is to start off the morning. I'm a little bit groggy <laughs> at this time, but I want to thank um, my friend for inviting me um, to, to step in and um, experience Alcoholics Anonymous and God on another level, and actually an opportunity to uh, grow and develop along this spiritual path, which is what we're all about here. So I'd like to... Um, touch on a couple of things that come to my mind um, over the, since yesterday. Um, but most importantly, we're here to just transmit a message of hope. Because um, I came here, I was one of the hopeless, uh, the hopeless variety, if you will. Uh, last gasper, um, however you want to call it, but it was a necessary level of pain and suffering that I needed to experience to for me to get to where I am today. So uh, today I have two... Um, I, I thank God every day for keeping them safe and protected. I have two adult children. They're 31 and they're 32, uh, 33, I'm sorry. And um, they spent the first half of their life under the lash of alcoholism. So they, you know, you always hear, if you want to know how I'm doing, you know, check with the people that are closest to us. So I refer to my children a lot because they were a big part of my story prior to coming to AA and then as I've recovered and my transformation. So they'll be the ones to tell you and testify about the personality change sufficient to recover from alcoholism that I could only get from walking through the doors of Alcoholics Anonymous. Their love, uh, the love of all of my family was never ever enough for me to not drink basically. Um, so I, we, we get intimate here, you know, and that's, that's, I, I have no um, shame anymore in sharing my dark past because it's the greatest asset I have. I refer to the big book a lot. Um, it, it's not just, it's a great uh, book of information. It's a textbook. It's what the, it's our directions. It's very simple, but the most important thing you can know, I know people who know this back front to back, that's great. But what I'd like to hit home today is experience it. You need to experience the presence of God. You need to experience a fourth step, experience a ninth step, experience the mistakes, all of it, all of it, because that's God's hands touching every area of our life, right? Because the 12 step says we practice these principles in all our affairs. So, and that's all this is. This is a path laid out to get to God spiritual principles. And um, I, I I knew nothing. I absolutely knew nothing. Anything I say is really is, is not unique. It was handed down or from my experience. And I try to I put it in my own words. So um, the thing that come to me, you know, we have tons of promises. There's, there's a few hundred, I believe, in our book. But the one that I happened to touch on uh, this week was the 10 step promises that the problem has been removed. A beautiful thing. But I'll, that's why I'd like to elaborate on that. And then the, to tie that in with the fourth step promise, it says that my only hope, only hope here, we're talking, we need hope. 
right, is the maintenance and growth of my spiritual experience. And that's how I'd like to tie in my experience before coming to Alcoholics Anonymous and being here and how those things, you know, actually came to fruition. Um, my sobriety date is April um, 3rd, 2006. Um, and that came after like, I want to say like decades of trying to fix, manage, control, uh, drink like a lady, however you want to call it. And I could never separate from alcohol for good and for all, uh, despite whatever consequences, whatever aftermath, whatever wreckage, however you want to call it. Whenever I picked up a drink, there was going to typically be a situation, as my family would call it. Oh, we're having a situation. And that was the, that was the only thing they could say because it was it was a situation. And there were, uh, it was very open-ended. The, the, the possibilities were endless, I'd like to say, sadly. But again, all of this stuff that, that is heartbreaking, um, it, it was necessary for me to get to the point where God needed God needed me to be, right, for that, that surrender. And um, I'm going to touch on what powerlessness looked like for me. Um, so, uh, and like... Um, Oh, gosh, who was it? Cheryl, I think it introduced me. I'm in between home groups right now. And I'm just uh, I'm moving my feet. I'm taking the action. I'm bringing I'm bringing it to God. And I need to see where I'm going to be most effective. So with that, and it it's actually um, a great place to be in a way because it's getting me out there being a seeker. I'm getting out there to meetings I typically wouldn't go to, and I'm just assessing what's out there. You know, I haven't been on Zoom in a while. I loved it. My spiritual life went through the roof, but now it's time to take that and, and get boots on the ground, so to say. So I'm doing a lot of in-person meetings, and um, what I, I basically do the same thing um, today, 16 years later, that I did when I first got sober, I mean, the stuff is still working. I, I don't change any of it. It's not up to me to change it. I just take the action. The same. The only thing that is different, I will say, is um, my 11th step. My relationship with God has grown. So that's changed. God's always been a constant because I've changed. So the God that I first came in with is a little bit different than the God that I have today, but God's always been always been there. So, um, let me starting from the beginning. I I came from a, a well loved family. I was adored. I was loved. There was no abuse at all, uh, no trauma. I actually had not one single reason to drink. All right, but I'm going to tell you this is very very important. Why I picked up that first drink at I think I was um, twelve. Um, I'm not, I can't figure out the math, but um, it's irrelevant because this is where is a clear indication. I suffered and I, I know this again, this is my experience and it's knowledge, but it's truth. My alcoholism was way before I picked up that first drink at 12 years old. I was, uh, and this is what my life looked like. Again, like I said, I had no reason for this type of constant fear and tension, uncomfortable, nervous, um, uh, self-conscious. See, I was very conscious of self, right? Because I'm always thinking, this is how self-conscious, right? You're 
talking about me. You're thinking about me. You're looking at me when I walk into a room. I mean, it's endless. And my my skin is flush, my nerves, I shake. I can't look you in the eye because I'm thinking all these things you're thinking. So I'm very self-conscious. And I don't realize that that's part of my problem. I'm always thinking about me. Right. I'm thinking it's that awkward teenage years. It could have been a million things. My mother, God rest her beautiful soul, would say it was either it's a full moon. She's a Scorpio. It's that time of the month. I mean, the woman was desperate for an explanation for my bizarre, incomprehensible behavior. Because I had no reason. There was absolutely no reason for my behavior. The other important key This is extremely important here with alcoholism, my behavior. When I'm sober, when I'm sober, this this is what I talk about my life, what it looks like. This we, We say today, I know you guys gave me words to put on my feelings, emotional sobriety. That's what we're shooting for here. This is when I'm separated from alcohol. How healthy am I? on a mental level. See, the physical aspect doesn't, you know, step into play until I pick up that first drink. And our book talks about the first drink. So prior to my first drink, my skin's, I'm a basket case. My skin is always crawling. I'm so uncomfortable. I can't develop a relationship, not even a friendship with another, you know, kid in grammar school. I'm always on the outside. I'm separated. I'm never, I never feel included. And again, I come from a large family, well-loved. I was adopted. So I was treasured when my parents brought me home. All right. So again, no reason to drink. So why I pick up that first drink, and this is important because it's going to, um, it laid down a foundation. This is alcoholism for my future relationships, my sex life. And it's clearly differentiates me. I'm mentally different from my fellows. And that's why this is the best example that I have. So um, I'm about 12 years old and I'm at my my vacation home in, in Florida. We had a second home and there's a bunch of older kids, those 16, 17, and they, this is why I look at the outside and what looks like they, you know, I'm, att- I'm attracted to the sparkles, or whatever, shiny things. They're having fun. They're boys, they're girls, they're laughing. Um, they're smoking cigarettes. They're doing all kinds of stuff and it looks so fun. And I wanted to be a part of that. But here's the thing, just like in Bill's story, I did not heed the warnings, right? I was told stay away from them. They're bad. They're trouble. They, they cut out of school. They have cops coming after them. Stay away. Well, naturally, I, I don't listen because what do they know? Right. They're having fun. So I get offered a, a, a drink and I get offered a cigarette and I made me sick, I'm definitely sick. Right. And what happens was I get taken up into a stairwell of the building next to my where my parents lived and I get raped. OK, so. And this is the incredible, baffling feature of alcoholism, right? So here's my first, I started lying, of course, because I go home a mess. And my parents asked what happened. I can't tell them, right? And this, again, like I said, is such a baffling feature because I want to guarantee that anybody who had that experience probably would never touch alcohol again. And they would have went home and they would have told their parents and they would have, I, I didn't, I made up a lie and I went back to those people, those, those, you know, friends I now have, 
right? But this is the thing. I didn't know that that actually happens to me until I did my first first fourth step at 43 years old. I wrote at the inventory. I did my fifth step. I mean, I had no, I, I didn't compute all the trauma. It, it just didn't happen. Right. So now now this was my um, what do you call uh, uh, rite of passage to acceptance. Right. And so and that just kind of dominoed into my future sex life. I got to look when I did again the inventory uh, of how it affected it was my sense of approval. You know what I'm saying? So. Keeping that in mind, I pick up that first drink. This is the, this is the consequence. This is what happens. Does not deter me. It, it, it never, it, and that should have been a, a clue that there was a problem. But um, again, it was alcoholism commanded my decisions, and it continued to do so. See, I was sober at twelve years old when I picked up that drink, and I continued to drink despite what happens to me. Right. So I have no choice. I have no choice because alcoholism is so um, it, 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 it's going to lie to me and it's designed for me not to see the truth. That's the best example. I, the truth was I had a traumatic experience happen to me. I didn't realize it or recognize it. And I continued. Right. That's just the simple truth. So. Keeping that in mind, we're going to see, I saw how it affected my relationships with men, not in a bad way. I, I tell you the truth, it did not um, deter me. I have a um, other things that I feel attached. I feel this attachment to some, some toxic relationships, and that's all my defects showing up, right? So um, I could see how it still affects me. It still keeps me in places that I don't belong. I don't belong, even though I know it's not healthy. See, that's the key. That's the key. That's alcoholism. So um, my behavior like that kind of continued for quite some time. Um, to just so what and also what that did, I'd like to make clear is that established a relationship with alcohol. So that's what it was like before I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. I, I had this, and again, I, I did not know that's what was going on, but I can, looking back, see, we, we live life forward and we look, and, and we, I could understand it now. That's from a Danish philosopher. And we get a lot of our principles, philosophies, values uh, from some great spiritual giants, that came before us, you know, like I said, none of this stuff is original too much except my experience. So looking back, I could see I had a relationship with alcohol. It was first and foremost before pretty much everything and anything. Like I, I said, I, I slid my kids across the bar many times. Now, as a mother, believe me, I did not want to do that. I did not want to leave my kids home alone and go out at, in the middle of the night thinking, see, here's alcoholism. It's an absolute lie. And in our book, it says common sense becomes uncommon sense. That's how Bill puts it, right? Thinking, oh, it's nighttime. They'll be sleeping. It'll be okay. I'll be home before they have to get up for school. But there's not a problem with that. Their father works in Staten Island. They're tucked in bed. 
it's okay, I can do this. See, because alcoholism says I have to go and, 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 and get what I need to be okay. So that's all I ever wanted to do. And my mind tells me that the booze and anything else I could drag into it, I'll be okay. That's a lie. So you see, this here thinking, this is my thinking. They'll be okay. They won't know I'm gone. They're safe, right? I can go out and do this. And you know what? Chances are I never made it home before they had to go to school. I never made it home before they had to go to school. That was my intention, as bizarre as it sounds. So my here, the 10 step says, I'm at a place of neutrality, safe and protected. Mind you, this is all 10 step stuff, but this is hope. I want to smash home. This is hope that I'm now safe and protected. So here's the ripple effects. Just like my alcoholism has a ripple effect. And trust me, my children as they're adults, the ripple effects of alcoholism still shows up in their lives, in their relationships. And they're, they're not alcoholic, but they suffer alcoholism. And I can, I, we can have a whole nother meeting on that. <laughs> but um, um so this is where I forgot, I just lost my complete track, um, but I was talking about how my mind will tell me it's okay to do something and it's clearly not, right? So um, that type of thinking, it was very common to me. And actually, I thought that's what I thought was quite all right. So when the 10th step says the problem has been removed, and I, I like to share this because, see, I come to Alcoholics Anonymous. So that's what it was like. And there's all kinds of experiences of, of that stuff. I don't even tell you what happened when I was loaded. That's a whole like another animal, I want to say, because that's I, I, I have a personality change when I drink. I become almost unrecognizable, inhuman. I mean, it's it's bad. And I, I don't again, this type of effect on me, I, it doesn't deter me from drinking. Because I'd be told the next day, like, well, let me tell you about last night or whatever. And it was never good. It was very unattractive. Let me tell you, it was not ladylike. Um, so that's, this is what it was like. Now, what happens is um, I get I get brought to my knees by a series of events that darkens my world and, again, my children's world. And I had um, I, I went over to a, a rehab. Um, actually down in uh, the West Florida here for a couple of months. And I thought this is where I picked up the big book because we were told to pick up the book and read it. And it was in the chapter, there is a solution. I have such a fond love for that. The whole book, I adore it. It's, it's, it's where it's at. It's really cool stuff. Um, there is a solution. And, and it, it, it I had, a life-changing experience reading it. Again, I, I didn't know much about what I was reading. My comprehension wasn't right, but I knew enough. See, I knew, I, I heard enough, I should say. I didn't know anything, knew nothing about what the problem was. So just like the 10th step, the problem was removed. And I was always told my, my life, you have a problem with alcohol, don't you? And I'm like, no, of course I don't. So it's kind of funny because alcohol, and I came here and, and, and you guys taught me alcohol is not my problem. Alcoholism, my state of mind, my thinking, the book is clear. It's selfish and self-centeredness is the root of my troubles. They're of my own making. 
this thing called self, which we are, is human, my human condition, is my problem. And I, you see, I, this, and there is a solution all started to make sense because I said, yeah, I felt like that. You know, they don't talk much about the, the drinking and the, and the consequences. This book is more, there's a certain part from only up until the first beginning of there is a solution talks about the, my body, my physical craving for it. You know, I had no idea it was a three-part illness either. Like you guys taught me a whole world of information and opened up my eyes to accept and surrender to the fact that I have an illness and it's, one, and it's going to kill me, that this is life and death. So in the beginning, I like when you say, let's take a moment to say why we're here. Why we're here, we're here to save lives. We have an hour to feed my spirit. I didn't know it was anything to do with spirit because I believed in God. I believed that God was going to punish me for all that I did. And I accepted that, right? I didn't, wasn't afraid of God. So kind of like on my inside, I kind of knew that there's something really wrong here because that was the last thing I said Um before I went into rehab, I said, there's something wrong and I got to go. And I had no idea what that meant or where, but I, I knew there was something, there was something really, really wrong. And I could not get out of this. There was nothing I was going to do about it. So, uh, and that was, that was God's grace. You see, I, I, God's grace always entered my, my life and I just couldn't see it. So on April 3rd, 2006, in a way I accepted his grace. And I didn't know that that's what was happening um, because I had no I had no choice in that either. But wouldn't you know, as soon as I go into rehab and this is the illness, right, because I'm beaten down, I'm like I'm zeroed out, I'm, I'm done. I go in and after a couple of days, I'm starting to think, you see, the thinking mind showed up. See, my bottom Everybody's bottom is different. And that's, you know, great. It is, is for me, it needed the powerlessness showed up as an emotional bottom. That was hopeless for me. You see, because I could clean up from a physical bottom. Anybody could. I've been into the the um, the, the psych wards, the crisis center, whatever they call them now. I get a couple of days in bed. I get some food, rest. I throw up a little more. You know, that was always my thing. If you throw up, you feel better. And then you could drink more, but I used it almost as a, a health <laughs> to get better. So I'd rest a couple of days and physically we could clean up. Okay. But I can't, I, I, I always go back to drinking. So my mind will never, ever separate me from drink. It never will. And I had to have like 30 years experience of that. So my bottom needs to be emotional. That's where I lose my my minds and they lose it. They, you lost your mind. And we say that's a, probably a good thing, right? Because that's the thing that needed to go. My thinking mind is, oh, is going to kill me. And my sponsor today still says it, you know, because look, it, I had, I've had a 12-step experience. I've recovered from this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. My mind will, he says, your mind wants to kill you. Because sometimes I get peculiar thoughts. Here's part of the difference, though, the transformation. I don't believe them, and I don't act on them. That's that's God doing for me what I can't do for myself. Because any time I had a thought in my mind, of course, I thought it was brilliant. And I would act on it. 
made sense to me. See, my thinking mind makes sense. And, and, and this is why we have a mind. It's such a gift. But our 11th step is real clear. I have to improve conscious contact with God. Because uh, if I'm not, I'm having conscious, again, I'm not God conscious. I'm self-conscious. Um, Liz is going to show up and have great ideas. That's why I'm so glad when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. So this is um, what had happened. I went to the rehab. I get this white light experience. Oh my God, this is what I have. I think like that. And it's exactly like it said, we hope you're sold on the ideas in this book. And it sealed the deal. I had no more reservations because like I was saying, I cleaned up a bit and I said, I I've got to get back to Jersey. I have to get back to work. I worked in catering at the time. It was um, Easter holidays. So there's a lot of business. People need me to help, you know, work and I'm making money, blah, blah, blah. And this is my mind. And that's how I go back to a drink. You see, I physically, I feel better, but I can't go into this world on my own device, left to my own devices. I, I can't do it. And again, I had 30 years trying to drink like a lady, trying to drink responsibly, trying to do all these great ideas. I had a gazillion suggestions. God bless my mom. They were so desperate. She would tell me, try drinking wine. What she knew, she said, you're allergic. This is a non-alcohol. You're allergic. She said, why don't you try drinking wine with, uh, without sulfites? I said, sure, I'll try. I'll try non-sulfite wine because sulfites are highly allergic. Well, that didn't work. Well, needless to say, wine was like a just a, a mild warm-up for me. I drink hard liquor, and that's what my old my go-to always is. So suggestions galore. Eat more bread. Bread was always known to absorb liquor and everything. And the bread was like the cure-all. So I said, all right, I'll try it. I said, even try having espresso. Sober up a bit. Have espresso. You have to go to the National Honor Society, right? Tons of suggestions. So by the time I come to Alcoholics Anonymous, and none of them worked, by the way, wait till the weekends. There's a time and a place for everything. Don't drink when you have to go pick up your kids from practice. Don't drink and drive. We all know that. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. And I said, okay, okay, okay. I'll wait till, I'll try to wait till Friday. And I would really, really, really try. But let me tell you what my life looked like when they said, wait till Friday to drink. Cause usually at Friday, the kids would like to go have a sleepover. And I loved, you know, they, nobody was going to be home. Right. So this is what it looked like Monday. I'm like, I'm really gun ho. I'm like, okay, this is great. I'm going to wait till Friday. I can do this. Right. Tuesday, same kind of thing, but I'm starting to like, it's starting to wear off a little bit. Wednesday, I'm getting very I'm restless, irritable, and discontent. I'm uneasy. Uh, I, I'm just, uh, again, my nerves, my skin is crawling. I'm very uncomfortable. I'm agitated. I'm annoyed with everybody. I'm snap, right, Wednesday, because I, and I don't know that this is, this is what, what's going, this is alcoholism. So Wednesday is not a good day and it's not, it's not, not a good day for the people around me. They're suffering my alcoholism because they're under constant fear and tension. Thursday, I start to pick up a little bit because I'm like, all right, Friday's tomorrow, one more day, and then I can have a drink. And I'm like so excited because I'm thinking I did so good, but that was a lie 
Because if you looked at my day on Wednesday, and if you asked my kids on Wednesday, they would be like, no, mommy's not good. So what happens? Friday, they come home from school and I got the bottle of wine on the counter because I always started with wine. I thought that was like a ladylike thing to do. The nice wine glass, right? Red wine was always appropriate for the winter. I had like, you know, it was crazy the way I had this whole, like, you know, like it was a um, an elegant thing and it was not. They came home, they saw the wine bottle and the wine glass on the counter and you could see their, face, their faces froze. Their faces froze in terror. Because what typically would happen is I'd be, the, somebody they'd be calling the cops on me or I'd be calling the cops on me and the ambulance would be showing up and uh, it was a blood bloodshed. Right. And, and that's typically that's typically how it how it went. Right. So uh, back to the idea of suggestions are wonderful, but they're ineffective. So when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. This is what it's like now. I come into AA and I I get too um, hopeless as the dying could be. No answers, no, uh, no resistance, nothing. I had two women come. Uh, this is why it's great. If you're new, you got raise your hand because we're looking for you. We are looking for you. And even if you're not new, I've sat in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous for five or six years sober, like, you know, on an emotional bottom that was dark. Another dark, a dark emotional bottom. We have them. But I have a solution today. And it's not alcohol. It's the relationship I've got with the God of my understanding as a direct result of the actions that we take through the 12 steps. So that's my that's my go to when I have these emotional bottoms. So raise your hands because we need we, we're coming for you. We need you because that's that's how this domino effect, the ripple effect of recovery works. Just like the ripple effect of my alcoholism affected people around me in a very bad way. Because it wants to annihilate all things worthwhile in life. And let me tell you, it does. That's why this here, I, I like to have fun with recovery, but I have to take it serious too, because I know the unlovely creature I can become if I'm not growing and developing on this spiritual path. I, there's no question about it. But again, that's not enough knowledge. But today, because you know we have this God consciousness, we react and respond differently to life. That's just part of our promises, you know? So I get these two women, they scoop me up because they knew, I raised my hands, I'm new, right? And I, even to raise my hands, I felt embarrassed. They came to me, I had no choice and who was my sponsor or not, said, you have a sponsor. It was a simple yes or no question. And I was like, well, you know, yes or no. And I'm so glad they were very firm, old school, old time. Donna's your sponsor. And I was like, okay, because I had no clue. I was told, get a sponsor, go to meetings, get a sponsor. Uh, and I didn't know. I was looking at the women while I was looking at the color of the hair. I was looking at her shoes. I was looking at, like, what, you know, the judgment. I, we, it's what we do. I don't think we'll get along. I don't that, but, but like, here again, my thinking mind's showing up. But what I come to find is that was my illness, was alcoholism. Again, not, it doesn't want me to get better. It doesn't want me to get better as it won't survive, right? That's ego screaming. It's out gasping for air. So it's going to just belt out all kinds of nonsense, for lack of better words. So I was given a clear cut set of directions. That's the key here. 
suggestions are wonderful. I was suggested to go to the meeting and then I, I did those things because typically I don't. I typically rebel and say, nah, they're probably not going to work for me. Right. But I started to do things I normally wouldn't do. So the hand of God was working in my life. I didn't even know it. Right. I didn't even know it because I it was told Donovan Jessica said, meet me on the Garden State up in um, uh, Kearney. I was like, OK, I just went. I just did things. I didn't say, well, where is that? How far is it? What time? Nothing. So I didn't even. So I don't know. God is working with me and I, I, I don't even know, it, you know, it's happening. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. I could see it now. So there we go. We get we get we get with the book because this is all we needed was the book. And I was, they took my hand and they walked me through the 12 steps with a set of clear cut directions. There was no the, no, no uh, changes in the program of action. We're, the, we're not here to change the message. The message is here to change us. So I stick to exactly what the book says. But the most important thing was that they had experience with this stuff. They knew that the powerlessness was first in my mind. That's where the hopelessness needed to be. And they simply put the step one, you're powerless over alcohol. Liz, could you ever, ever stay away from drink for good? All the time, million, I don't know, thousands of times you swore off it. Did you drink again? Yes. Okay, so step one says you're going you're gonna to drink. It's just a matter of time. And typically, again, my experience, I do not white knuckle in anything. I don't, I said, well, you're only going to drink, so you might as well do it sooner than later. This is, again, my mentality. I don't wait it out, right? It, it just doesn't, it's just, so you might as well get, get to it. Why wait? See, we don't like to be uncomfortable. And that's another thing I was told, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And because it, it's something I don't know, you know, I'm, I, I've been used to anesthetizing myself with mind and mood altering substances because I can't stand the clamor and the chatter of sobriety. So that's what I my, my see my skin crawls. So what happens now is I, I have this, I get transformed. I get a personality change sufficient to recover as a direct result of the steps. And I have a different, my relationship is with God now. That's what the 12 steps are meant to do. They're all spiritual in nature. Each one has a, uh, a, a different spiritual principle, but they're all intertwined. I mean, this, this, more than just 12 the kindness love forgiveness patience tolerance hope there's tons of spiritual principles commitment consistency right dedication there's all kinds of spiritual principles and as a result of first using them in the steps i take them out into my life so i get this idea of powerlessness and that my life is unmanageable and it's got nothing to do with the consequences they're, they happen to non-alcoholic people. And I'll tell you, I never got a DWI and I should have, trust me, I should have, but I, I kind of get in good with, with the police force. They, I don't know. It's just something I kind of like, again, when I get drunk, there's a whole nother, you know, whole nother Liz that you don't want to see. Right. So I never got a DWI, never went to prison. I didn't eat out of dumpsters, but I wound up in the end not being allowed in my house, so walking in the streets, calling people, can you let me in? And everybody said no, because they knew. They didn't want me in the house either, right? So th those are things that were yet, th those were, the, were going to come eventually. Um, 
So we get this 12-step experience. By step one, basically, Liz, you're going to drink again. It's just a matter of time. And powerlessness, they kind of simplified everything. And, and this is, you know, to surrender. It's not an easy thing to do. But really, if I if it was defined to me as it's just, just being comfortable not knowing. See, but the ego, which is the illness, needs to know. And it's going to fight and do everything it can to not get better. So as I'm trying, that's what this whole thing is to crush and dismantle the ego, which is self. Let's just say self. Because it says self manifested in various ways is what defeated me. And I know that from my experience because self would always show up and manage and manipulate my decisions. Alcoholism, sober. Again, this is so critical. It's sober we're talking about. That's alcoholism. Right. But I seem to think that when I go pick up a drink, I can't take it. This is all too much. I take a drink. <gasps> Suddenly, though, for that few minutes of that burn or that cheap whiskey going down, I suddenly feel good and it doesn't last. And therefore, I go and I keep I have another drink and another drink. But that's the the craving Silkworth laid out for us. That's a whole, you know, th th there's so much more to our illness. But my mind. Right. If I address the, the mind is where the problem is, and that's what gets removed in the 10th step. I have a pretty good chance of, of not drinking again. See, and that's my first sponsors were very clear. They said, Liz, we're not going to teach you how not to drink because you could not drink for a while. I mean, the end stage of my drinking, I needed to drink. It was a necessity. But if we all look at, we could, we usually had some brief periods where I could stay away from a drink, but never for good. It wasn't a problem. I mean, I, I could promise you the, 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 the stars and the moon, but it could never happen for good. I'd always go back to it. So that's what we have to take care of, Liz. And you won't have to worry about the craving right now. My obsession shows up in many different other ways. Now I could be obsessed about, I don't know, a, a coffee pot. I mean, a, a, a relationship. It could be anything. See, my mind is going to lock it. And that's where my agnosticism shows up. Agnosticism, I don't involve God in my life, right? So that's step two. I kind of was, I, I believed in God, but for me, what it was is I had no relationship with God. I had absolutely no relationship with God. God did not know me. I mean, I thought I knew God, but I, I did not. My gosh, God is, is just indescribable. Right. And when you experience it, you, you won't even be able to put words to it. It's just absolutely phenomenal. So when my agnosticism shows up, it's always it'll always be a step one problem for me in my life when I think I can manage my life. So going back so I didn't have any consequences. So that external stuff is not going to that doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters, but it, it, it doesn't in a way. Inside, what are my insides like? And when I, that's what step two is kind of opening up the door that if there is a God, he can, but what is God going to do? He's going to fix my insides. God can do that. And I got to see that, um, you know, uh, well, step three, first of all, was the best decision I ever made in my life. And it was a no brainer for me. And I wasn't to overthink it. Like, well, what is my life and my will and all that other stuff that alcoholism likes to do? Again, it's going to resist getting better. Um, I just, yeah, okay, sure, let's go. And then we quickly launched on this course of vigorous action, which is the fourth step where I get to write down exactly what I am. See, I'm an alcoholic 
who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm a mother. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm a friend. I'm a worker, right? But what I am is an alcoholic. And I'm very clear on that today. And I know what I could be. So I get to see these um, that fourth column at the end. I don't know if you haven't gotten to it yet. Please don't be afraid of the fourth step. It's meant to get us better. It is not meant for us to drink. And the best thing I could say is if you don't want to do it, just say so. You might have to back up a little bit because you're probably thinking it's always a step one problem that you can manage your life. And that's what alcoholism is. But we can work with you. We can work with you. The fourth step is meant to help us get better. And that's what I'm here for. See, these meetings are great. I get relief when I come here. I got relief when I took that first drink and it didn't, it didn't, relief doesn't have a long-term effect. The relief from that first drink was like minutes. Was it worth it? Absolutely not. But when my, uh, when I was under the lash of alcoholism, I would have said, yeah, of course it was. It did what it was supposed to do. It made me okay. I fit my skin. My skin's comfortable now. But that's, that wasn't even true because of the wreckage that came along with that. But as long as I'm okay, it doesn't matter, right? How selfish is that? Ask my kids. So, um, God, I lost my track again where I was at that point with, um, uh, I think it was trying to, you know, ma manage my life without God. Right. That's agnosticism. And I see it show up today in my life. Liz, yes. Five minutes, honey. Thank you. Um, so I've got, I've got to try to wrap this up as far as like what, what it's like now. Oh, I was talking about the fourth step. Please do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. So that, that fourth column, that's I'm all over that fourth column. If I'm not treating my illness. See, I used to treat my illness with alcoholism. Uh, with alcohol. I'm sorry. That's what I thought treated my illness, which is my restless, irritable discontent, right? And any further unmanageability, you could check on page 52, those bedevilments, right? They still show up. Not all of them. A lot of them are gone, but I'm human. And this is where sometimes we have the human and the, and the spirit, the flesh and the spirit. Well, kind of, that's where my resistance comes in, right? So I find out what I am in the fourth step. And now I go to, to uh, six and seven, God and only God can change those things in me. I can't, if I could reduce my selfishness, if I could reduce my dishonesty, I would have, and I would have stopped drinking at the age of 12 and said, I can never, I'm never doing this again. You know, and that thought never crossed my mind. That's what I wanted to say. Never crossed my mind. Don't drink again. Never. Bizarre, baffling, cunning, right? I would have done that if I could change my behavior. I can't. God can. And it's just like today, currently. Um, and it might, But the other thing I think is very important, I'd like to stress this. My first sponsor put me right on the 11th step. Yes, the steps are designed to be worked in order. Please do not change that up. Don't do a fourth step before you do a three or don't do a ninth step before anything else. But Right, 11th step, just check it out. Today, to this day, I pick up this book, I go to old school and I read it upon awakening when I retire at night. I mean, it's committed to memory. It's like, you know, but I need to know this is my direct, I'm gonna, this is my directions. It tells me what to do every minute of every move and every step I take throughout the day. So, and what, what I found was they were training my mind. I didn't understand it then, which was fine. I just read it, but I'll tell you what, I'm able to live it today 
And over the years, as a result of taking this action, discipline, great commitment, spiritual principles, which alcohol, I don't know about you, but I'm wishy-washy. I change my mind all the time about stuff. So when we say this is all about change, well, if I don't change, our book is really clear on what's going to happen if I don't change. People say they're always afraid of change. And there's somewhat truth to that. There's a fear of the unknown and all that. But then we said, where is God? Are you bringing God into all that? And that's all this is about. And look, at I used to change my mind all the time. Change my mind about drinking, men, food, music, whatever. So that's almost, again, I want to say for me, that's a lie. I don't like change. I don't say that. I need to change. And my sponsor today will tell me, well, you could either walk forward with God or stay where you are and suffer. And Liz, you ain't going to stay there too long. Because you don't like to be uncomfortable and you don't like to suffer. But I'll tell you this, which my only option, my or my solution would have been if I'm not with this path with you guys, alcoholics and on, is to is to drink. Is to drink. And I think it works. It doesn't. I'm good. It doesn't. So as a result of this whole process and doing things like this, um, I get to practice these principles, right? I get to, my kids know they are safe and protected. They know today that if they, they come to me, if they have a problem, they know I'm going to show up. It, it's just a whole, it's a completely different world. So thank you, Alcoholics Anonymous. And thank you. I, I, there's a God that is in every one of our lives and he's, he, he's, and you don't have to look for him because he's inside every single one of us. This year, the heart, the, the heart. Heart from head to heart is a big space, but it gets shorter. It gets shorter and shorter, right? And sometimes suffering has to bring us there. So my emotional bottoms today are sometimes I've had three, I want to say quite a few, two known dark nights of the soul. Those are pretty intense, but that's, it's in the burning of the fire that my life gets reborn. And that's what my third step promise is. You will be reborn, which means there has to be a death of some sort. St. Francis Press is very clear. The death of self, what a book is designed to do, dismantle and, and extinguish this thing that's going to destroy my life. And I know that for a fact, and, and most things around me too. So with that, I want to say I am forever um, in debt to Alcoholics Anonymous and grateful um, to be here. My name is Liz and I am an alcoholic. Thank you so much. Thank you. No, Liz, thank you for joining us on Two Sober Chicks, our podcast speaker series edition. We take our speakers from the beginners meeting called AA Solution Seekers Beginners Meeting. You can find it online on online intergroup AA. Thanks for joining us on Two Sober Chicks.